Hello, hello, and welcome to the Business of Healing podcast. I'm so happy to have you here with me today. So today we are going to be talking about self-belief when it comes into business and specifically around belief and your purpose and moving past your doubts and insecurities to do what you are called to do. I think for many of us who have this calling to help people to create something to be a change agent in this world, even those of us who are really confident and that is what we are here to do or what we're designed to be, there can still be some imposter syndrome and there can still be some fears of thinking that what you want to do may feel so big or so impossible or you don't have the resources for it or you don't have the resources for it yet, and you can want to give up. You can want to um, avoid it or put it off until you are ready. And the thing about your purpose, the thing about what you are here to do, it is always going to be there for you. There's no in that it is going to chase you until you pick up the mantle, until you realize that you already have all the qualifications that you need to do what you're called to do. So let's go ahead and jump in, but I am going to start with my story a little bit, and it's a story that I affectionately refer to as the Walgreens story, and you're going to see why in a moment. So as you know, I got my master's in marriage and family therapy, and I've worked in a variety of settings, and one of the settings that I've worked in was a residential treatment center. So we treated a lot of dual diagnoses. That's where I was trained in dialectical behavior therapy, um, which is one of the leading models for mood disorders, especially borderline personality borderline personality disorders. Um, so we, I did family therapy and individual therapy, and ran groups and created programs at the place I was at, and so and I loved it. I was there for about four years, and before that, you know. A lot of therapists who are in school, and this is me, what, almost 15 years ago now, so things may be changing. In fact, I would bet money that things have changed and that there's more education around building businesses and running private practices and more more things about that as far as um, curriculum, actual curriculum, or at least uh, resources to point you in that direction. But at the time that I went to school, people, when we were talking about graduating and people were saying what they were going to go off into... You know, my professors would say, well, you could go into private practice, but the the assumption is that most people are going to go into agency work or working in settings. And so the people who were going off to start their own practices were like mavericks, right? So, but when you graduate, you know, you have to get hours, you know, you have to build up all this stuff to have your licensure, you have to get supervision. So it is assumed that if you are going out on your own, you are still going to be working with some type of group practice either to get a funnel of clients or for you to just build your own experience. So I did, before I even worked at this place, I did work in a couple of group private practices and I was building my clientele and I was actually doing pretty well there, but between travel or whatever, who knows what my reasons were at that time, I stopped seeing clients and I moved into more into agency work. And looking back, it may have been some reason that I felt was justifiable, but maybe I was getting too close to being successful or maybe things were getting too busy. And maybe I was at a crux where I had to choose between doing this full-time or leaving the safety and security of a full-time job that gives gives you benefits and gives you a steady salary that you know where your money is coming from every month. So obviously I chose the latter. 
So now I'm working in my residential treatment center and I'm doing great and I'm having a really great experience. And one of my colleagues who was leaving that treatment center to start her own private practice or to work in a in a group practice that was set up to where she was building her own clientele and um, there was more independence and autonomy. She told me, she said, Sheena, you know, you can start your own practice as well. And I was like, no, I can't. I was like, you have a boyfriend that you're living with that you can also depend on for income. You know, it's just me by myself. You know, I'm also like sending money to family at the time. You know, they are only paying us X amount of money. That's the other thing about working in agencies and all these group practices and places that if you don't know, you're not aware of healers are really taken advantage of and what they are paid. Like we have all this discourse about teachers being paid enough and everything. And and when I tell you in these places, I wish I was being paid as much as teachers are, even with the lower, um, the lower salary rates that people are fighting against to be raised. If I was being paid that at these places, that would have been amazing. It would have been a godsend. And so healers are really taught to live very meagerly. But if you try to have any type of stability or comfort or ask for anything more than that, then you really must not care about other people. You're not here for for the mission. Meanwhile, you are taking on all this trauma and all this stuff yourself, um, and you can't even afford to pay your own therapist <laughs> to work with you with these things, right? So anyways, uh, I will probably talk about those things a little bit later, but for the sake of this story. He tells me that I can start my own private practice and I'm like, no, I can't because um, all these barriers that I already said. And then also I'm not interested in the instability. I want to know where my money is coming from and I want to live in that type of um, setup that works better for me. So fast forward a few years and now I am working in the school system and I I'm going through some financial challenges where I'm like, I need to have more money. And so I think about going back to doing group practice or private practice work. And I, you know, I think about the hours and all that. And I'm like, I don't even know if I really want to do that. And also I'm starting to feel burnt out. That's the other thing about being a healer. When you're not being paid adequately, even when you love what you do, you have the stress of living. And then you have the stress of being there and supporting other people and then your own stuff and your body just gives out. Your body, your mind, your spirit gives out. And so I was at the place where I was like, I, even though I could do this, I don't want to do this. I'd rather like work at Costco. I'd rather work at the local grocery store. I'd rather do something else to where I can just be within and not have to think as much and not have to emote. So this launched me going on this this journey of trying to look for a second job. And y'all, I applied everywhere and nowhere was hiring me. Every single place, no one was hiring me or saying that I was overqualified. And this even includes like uh, two local grocery store chains chains that I worked at through high school and through, um, what do you call it? Through college and grad school. So I already had experience there. I left in good standing and all this stuff. And even those places weren't hiring me. So I am getting desperate at this time because, again, remember, I'm also in financial constraints. And so I go to Walgreens 
And I'm at Walgreens and I meet the manager who's this older black lady and she was really sweet. And I said, um, I told her how I was looking for a job and I told her a little bit about me and what I do because she was asking. And she was like, are you sure you want to work here? You know, because I was, you know, it doesn't didn't really match in her opinion the type of people or the personnel that usually comes in to to apply. And this is according to her, like she was the one who said this to me. So I was like, yeah, I do want to work here. So she's like, okay, well, I would love to have you. Uh, You have good energy. And so all you have to do is do this drug test and then, you know, we can go ahead and get you started. And so that job was probably paying, if not seven something, eight at the most. It was not more than $8 an hour. And I was like, I will take it. (laughs) I will take it. I just need something outside of what I'm doing now. So I go and I take the drug test. And wouldn't you know it, that drug test came back positive. Y'all, I, at this point, I had never done anything ever in my life. Never smoked weed, never like did hookah, never, never taken anything into my body um at all. And so I want to say it was even coming back for something like heroin or like some something crazy. So then I was like, I've read somewhere that people, if you eat poppy seeds or something and come back positive, but I don't even like getting I don't like poppy seeds. Like I don't eat bagels. Like what is going on? And at this point I was so desperate and I was so upset and I was just so flustered at why why all these doors were closing to me including Walgreens. And I think Walgreens was like the last straw. And so I was like, okay, well then let me just go ahead and go back to therapy. Let me go ahead and, you know, find this. Uh, there was a local place in the area that allowed therapists. It wasn't group practice, but they allowed therapists to rent out space and they allowed you to rent it out by the hour. Cause remember I didn't have the money to um, rent out an office for a day or two and then fill in clients as I went along. Like I literally had nothing extra at that point, um, past paycheck to paycheck. And so I was allowed to rent out by the hour when I had clients and just pay a certain percentage of fee of whatever that session, whatever my rate at the time was. And so that really worked for me. So I put some ads up on psychology today and, uh, you know, she would refer the woman who was the owner, she would refer people to me. And I slowly started to build my practice. And actually, slow is not the right word because it started to pick up and get bigger and better. And I started to have more um, folks who refer for, refer their people to me um, to the point to where I had to continually add more and more hours to my calendar. So fast forward to a year or so later when. Um, uh, so I was already part of the financial constraints I was in is that I was a victim of a flood here in Houston. So not the Hurricane Harvey flood that happened the year later, but the year before our whole home was flooded out, um, lost everything, had to be rescued out by boats. And so I had a lot of PTSD and trauma around rain, around floods. Um, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't hear um, anything that um, showers or sprinkle um, sprinkles, you know, like any weather changes would um, provoke provoke some really intense anxiety attacks. So 
over time, I worked through that and, you know, was using this extra income to recover. And then the next year, Hurricane Harvey happened while I was working in a school system. And so all of my PTSD came back. Uh, luckily, at that point, I was like, wherever I live, I'm always going to live, not only in the place that is not going to flood, but also is in the top floor if I'm living in an apartment. So the area that I was in was safe in that way. But the school that I served, all the kids and almost all the parents, you know, went through tragedy, right? Um, to my knowledge, no one lost their life, but they definitely lost everything. So it was my job as a school counselor to listen to their stories, to support them, to create programming, to give resources and take care of them and do all this stuff. And meanwhile, my PTSD is flaring. And I'm also looking at the fact that when I went through my flood the year before, there was not all this resources and support that there was now. So then there's like some resentment and some other things going on. So I am mentally getting to a place that really does not work for me. I'm driving to work. I'm sick. I'm pulling over, throwing up, throwing up on the side of the road because I'm so stressed, um, unable to sleep. You know, I already have started gaining a lot of weight. And um, so I go to my employers and I tell them that I really need some time off. And I also I'm seeing my old therapist at the time and I have him write a um, FMLA form for me so that I can take some time off. And this is me being naive at the time, y'all. But I presented to them and they do they somehow they convince me or tell me that I'm not able to do that. And um I have a they give me a moderated, modified schedule to where I can go to my therapist once or twice a week, but that um they're not able to allow me to have this time off. And again, that I'm sure that I know that that was illegal, <laughs> but in that time, in that period, I did not know any better. But I'm still seeing these clients on the side. And so I use this extra time that they're giving me to see more clients, right? Um, the, these half days that I now have, I'm now using that to see more clients in addition to going to therapy. And I'm sitting and I'm thinking about how these folks literally do not value me and they do not value everything that I had done. Every job that I've been a part of, I had came in and given everything and more. Whatever programming they had, I added to it. I would stay later with clients. I would add to their prestige, you know, like like many of us do who really are good at what we do and we care about what we do. We are a high asset. And I worked for organizations that may have said that they appreciated that with their words, but the, between their actions, their treatment, the benefits and perks that they may have available, the money, um, there was never any of that available. And you were always told to wait or to be grateful or whatever else. And so working on these things, I was like, you know what? I don't need this and I'm out. And so I quit and I went into my practice full time. But this time I was already starting to see people for love addiction instead of all the things. When I first started my practice, again, I was seeing people for everything, like families and couples and everything else. And I narrowed down into sex and love addiction. And then I narrowed down into love addiction for women. And so as soon as I closed that, I moved into a house that had an office at the front. And so I 
that little divider between the entry four way in my living room and that front office. And I opened my own home office and I loved it. And I had a full practice in therapy. And then from there, of course, Black Girls Heal um, had started and started to coach. And all this to say that Walgreens incident was the tipping point of me really looking and trying everything I can I could to run away from what I was called to do and what I was purposed to do because I thought it was too hard. I thought I wasn't able to do it. I thought I didn't have the qualifications for it. I thought I needed to have all of these resources and all of these things available to me for it to even be possible. And in my mind, I made it really hard or made it harder because I didn't have the self-belief that I could do it. And I also didn't have the belief in and trust in myself and my environment to know that things were happening for me and not against me. And so that really delayed me into walking in my purpose and doing what I'm here to do until I was pushed into it. And even a similar thing had happened with my first job. Same thing. I worked in an unaccompanied minor shelter. So for teens who had been um, caught undocumented here in the country, doing therapy and everything in Spanish, reunifying families, same thing, creating programs, you know, seeing you know, dozens of kids every week for therapy, holding them in their most traumatic moments from coming from other countries into here, being separated from their families, their own anxiety and PTSD and everything. Um, so I'm doing all these things and I'm taking on clients from other coworkers who were not doing their part. Um, but I ended up having to quit that job or actually I was pushed out by a coworker who was jealous of me and was best friends with the director. And so even though I had all these glowing reviews and everything else, um, I was slowly, systematically pushed out. And if that hadn't have happened, I would have stayed there. So I'm sharing all of this because something that I've noticed with the women that I serve and also with a lot of healers is we are so dedicated to the cause and to the mission sometimes that we will forget ourselves. And we will lose and abandon ourselves within it, and we will become the martyr. And we will think that as long as the work that we are doing is what is for the betterment of the people, of the public, of the folks that we love to serve, then you getting caught in the crossfire is is worth it. You know, it's just part of the job. It's just part of what happens. And I want you to know that it's not. I think when we are used to mistreatment and we're used to neglect and we're used to being overlooked and not taken care of, that when we get into settings that dishonor us in that same way, then we don't recognize it for the abuse that it is. And we just say, well, this is how it has to be, or this is how it is everywhere. And it doesn't have to be that way. And you get to stand up for yourself and you get to find settings that are actually safe for you. You know, safety a location that is not safe and toxic and abusive is different than a place that may be safe but has office politics or just people who don't always get along. You know, one is what leads you to not being able to sleep, feeling sick in your body, getting sick all the time, sitting in your car having dread. Not dread because, man, I wish I was in bed right now, but dread because you are worried about what is going to happen during that day, right? Um, 
And so as healers, I think it's really important for us to know that our feelings and our thoughts matter as much as the people that we love and that we serve, as much as our clients as well. In regards to self-belief as well, I think I really want to focus on today that it is important for you to walk in your purpose and in what you are called to do. So there are some of us who are have these dreams about what we are here to produce into this world. And we are second guessing one, if it's actually going to be that impactful, if this is the right timing, if people even actually really need it. Um, there are already, already other people who do this already, or they're so, so oversaturated, or other people are better at this than me, and I'm just getting started. We'll say and do all these things to try to run from who we are called to be. And now is your time to show up right? It doesn't matter how long you keep trying to put this off, it ain't going away. And it ain't going away for a reason is because it's it's inside of you. So with that, the first thing that I want to share is that your talents will sometimes tell you that you are ready before you know that you're ready. I'll say that again. Sometimes your talents will tell you that you are ready before you know that you're ready. So for me, I know I mentioned that person who was my coworker at the time at the residential treatment center, who was like, Sheena, you can do this on your own. Like you're, you're good enough to do this on your own. He wasn't the only one. I had many other people who told me that I needed to start my own private practice and that, you know, what I, I was special or that they totally saw in me someone who could be boss and a CEO or someone who could create something. And I was the one who was like, no, that's not me. It's very easy. It was easier for me to stay small and to go with the status quo and to go with what was familiar to me. Um, It was easier for me to pursue what felt like safety, especially after coming from settings where I felt so unstable. Um, I felt so kind of thrown back and forth. So I was very tied to, I need to have some type of control, but then also, again, that lack of self-belief and feeling that you're not good enough and that imposter syndrome and not seeing yourself, not even as other people see you, but who you actually are. I was talking to one of my private clients the other day, and I was really trying to emphasize for her, you know, your low self-esteem is not a deficit. It's not that you have all these things wrong with you and now you have low self-esteem on top of it. Like that is a very um, self-deprecating way of looking at this problem. The problem is actually that you are amazing. You are already amazing and flawless and perfect as you are. And everybody can see it but you. So the problem is not, oh man, I can't see how perfect I am. The, the It's more of a celebration. Wow, I am already perfect and I'm already good enough and I'm already as beautiful and talented and loving and lovable and worthy as I hope and aspire, as I've aspired to be. I'm already her. You're, tell, you're telling me I'm already her? I don't have to do anything to get to be her because I'm already her? Like that, that is it for all of y'all. You are already her. You are already the person that you need to be. And you just need to catch up with the fact that you are already that girl, right? You are already the person who has all the qualifications and all the standards and all of the tools that you need to create what you want. And now it's you walking into your purpose. Now it's you walking into saying yes. Okay. The second thing that I want to share with you about this and building self-belief around this is if you have a dream and something about something that is bigger that 
than what you are doing right now, nothing you do is going to satisfy you. It will never be enough and there will always be blocks. So there may be some contentment, right? But you're always going to be reaching and growing and building outside of you. So here's what it looks like for me. For me, in all three of these settings, whether or not it was the unaccompanied minor center, the um, the residential treatment center, and the school that I worked at, and all three of these things, all three of these places, I was bigger than my establishments. Not oh, oh yeah, I was bigger than my establishments. I came in there, and I added to their programs, and I was growing them bigger than what they were before. And one of my, in my first place at the minor shelter, they were intimidated by that. And I know for sure that that was the case, not only because of how they treated me and the things that they would say, but when I would go and work at other centers, especially when there was this huge influx of, um, when a company minors, while I was working there, when the influx really first started and they needed help at all these different places around the country, the way I was received and the way that um, my talents and the things that I was um, I was gifted in was expressed and, and shown there was night and day from what happened in my first center. And so for me, I loved what I was doing, but my talent and my purpose to make big things was bigger than that than that building that I was in. I was bigger than the containers I was trying to fit myself into. And so for some of you, it will look like you're going to a place and you're thinking, oh, wow, I could be doing more than this. And you're feeling like you're wasting your time or you're trying to be happy with a certain job, um, but you have like this desire, this this hobby, this dream on the side that just won't go away, Right. And for some of you, you are bringing all of your bigness and all of your light into this place. And they are, they may be appreciative of it, or they may not know what to do with it. And so you're going and suggesting things that are so clearly going to make this place better. And they have their own limits. They have their own limiting beliefs. So they're smushing down your, your brightness. They're smushing down your light. They're smushing down what you're here and what you're called to do. And you're getting frustrated right? And you're feeling disgruntled. And it's because that gift that you have to create, to make things big, to to grow and to solve things, to make change is bigger than where you're working right now, is bigger than what you have in front of you. And so until you actually start to work in that purpose and create something for yourself, you are not going to feel satisfied because you're always going to have a container. You're always going to have someone else's limits. You're always going to have someone else's opinions trying to dim your light and trying to take away that power and trying to control it um, and make it something that is tolerable to them when it's not for them. It is for you and it's for the people that you're called here to serve. So that's the thing that I really love about this podcast and what I'm really excited about is because I know that what I'm saying right now is applicable not just for folks who may consider themselves healers, but for everybody. Whether or not your talent is cooking or drawing or being a spiritualist, or um, I don't know, um, creating houses, or interior decorating, like there's there's something that, or being a writer, everybody here, anybody here can listen to this and be like, okay, I think that's for me. You know, some of you are meant to be, be influencers. You're 40 something years old, and you're like, man, I really love the camera, and I love these things, and but what I look like putting myself out there, getting a TikTok. You look like yourself, and it looks like you are there's you are here 
because there are folks that you are divinely called to talk to, to minister to, to entertain, and to celebrate, right? It doesn't matter what you think that your qualifications are, you can't get away from what God has given you. Whether or not it is you're a singer, whether or not you are a great mediator, whether or not you are amazing at putting fashions together, whether or not you are great at reading what people need and giving that to them, right? That is for you. And so it's for you to walk in. And the last thing that I want to say when it comes to self-belief and walking your purpose and creating is that to remind you of the truth that everything is happening for you, not to you, which can be really hard when you're feeling very overwhelmed and you're feeling very stressed and you're feeling as if things are not fair. And not only not not only just feeling as if is that they actually are not fair and that you are feeling overwhelmed. And there are things that seem like it's always a crisis or there's something that's always hard or something. I want you to know in the same way that in that moment, I felt as if there was some bigger force that was working against me and just wanting to see me struggle because there's literally no reason why I, it should be this hard to find a job that pays me seven seventy five an hour or you know whatever it was especially when I had all these other things going for me. And it's because all those blocks, all of those hurdles, all of those doors that are closing is because there's something bigger that is opening for you. And it's really important to have that belief, even when it is hard, even when you feel very demoralized and you just want to give up, just know that every twist and turn is adding to your story. And I'm sure that there are things that you can look back in your life right now and be like, oh, that's why that happened. You know, even even me with what I teach outside of this podcast on my on my other podcast and as for a living, all of the things that I have gone through, the embarrassments, the 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 humiliations, the different paths that I've taken in relationships, they've all been used for good to help set thousands of other women free. Those were all lessons that I got to learn and recover from and heal from so that I can help other women break their own generational curses and patterns. Everything has been happening for me, not to me. And it's the same for you. So I really encourage you to take hold of your story and what you tell yourself and um, letting letting yourself know or receive that you are abundant, that you are blessed, and that you have good coming for you and you actually have good around you already. It's just you walking into that and receiving it. Okay. So that is it for today's podcast episode. I hope that you found it helpful. I look forward to seeing you on our next episode. For those of you who are just joining us for the first time, this Business of Healing podcast, we talk about the importance of self-belief, boundaries and business here and putting all those things together so that we can be our best selves for the people that we serve and in our everyday life. And so thank you so much for being here. Make sure that you subscribe, share this podcast with someone who needs it. And I look forward to seeing you in the next one. Take care of yourselves.